0: Welcome to Marriage Steps with Dr. Wyatt Fisher. We're developing deeply satisfying relationships is the goal, and following my 6 marriage steps is the path to get you there. I'm your host Dr. Wyatt Fisher, licensed psychologist and marriage counselor. The show is about your life and your marriage, so call 303-596-6836. Again, 303-596-6836. Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to 4.30 Mountain Standard Time with your questions. Today I'm gonna talk about the highly sensitive topic of affairs and how to recover from an affair if your marriage has experienced one. Research shows around 50% of all marriages will experience infidelity on some level over the course of their relationship. So it's quite common in my private practice I would say at least half of all my couples that I work with have had infidelity and that's why they're there. So today I'd like to go through eight different steps to the recovery process if there's been an affair in your relationship. Now an affair, just to define our terms, can be anywhere from an emotional affair all the way up to a sexual affair. The emotional affair is when you develop an inappropriately close emotional attachment with someone other than your spouse. And that person becomes your best friend, your soulmate, you share everything with them, you don't share these things with your spouse, and you start falling in love with them. And you have in love feelings for them. And usually when it's an emotional affair, it's just a matter of time before it turns sexual but some affairs stop when they're still at the emotional arena, but that's an emotional affair, then obviously a sexual affair is when there's sexual contact. So all forms of affairs are highly, highly traumatic to marriages. Across the globe, the number one thing that rocks the foundation of security in a relationship is infidelity. No matter what language you speak, no matter the color of your skin, no matter what ethnicity or cultural background, infidelity rocks the foundation of relationships like nothing else. And the person on the receiving end of an affair, they have symptoms akin to PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. And a lot of those symptoms can include intrusive thoughts, irritability, um, you know panic attacks, um, dissociating, feeling numb to reality in life. It's one of the most devastating things you can go through is being on the other side of an affair. So these steps are to help couples who have experienced infidelity in their relationship. Maybe that's you, maybe it's somebody that you know, um, and it's it's highly traumatic, and so these steps can help you through. So the first step is if you are the one who's had an affair, the number one first step is is you have to stop all contact with the person you've had the affair with. So that can be a variety of things. For some of you, that may mean you have to quit your job. For others of you, you may have to move to a different state, or you may need to move houses, or you may need to change churches. Whatever it is for you, the first step is you have to cut out all contact with this person you've had the affair with. Because if you don't cut out contact, the affair will linger. A lot of people are under under the misconception that I can stop the affair but still be friends with that person or still see them once in a while. And that is impossible. An affair is an addiction. So one way to think about affairs is that the brain chemicals in your head were low because of things going on in your marriage And then this person filled up your needs and filled up those brain chemicals to make you feel good. And so they became an addiction. And just like any type of an addiction, whether it's heroin or cocaine or whatever, if you get around that substance, most likely you're going to fall back into that addiction. And likewise with affairs. If you've had an affair with somebody, that person has become your addiction so if you come in contact with them on any level, most likely you're going to fall right back into that affair. So right from the top, the first step of recovery is you have to stop all contact. If you don't, you can kiss your marriage goodbye. Because on the other end of this, if you're the betrayed spouse and your partner keeps having contact with the affair person, It's like they're stepping on the marriage every time it happens, and they won't be able to withstand that, and they're going to want out of the marriage. So if you want to recover your marriage, the first step is you have to stop all contact. Step number two is you have to share all accounts and all passwords. This is if you're the one who's had the affair. So you have to open up all your social media accounts all your emails you have to voluntarily give your phone over whenever your spouse desires it you've broken trust and so to earn that trust back you have to open up all accounts now sometimes it can be tempting to have secret accounts or secret this or secret that and if you really want your marriage to recover there's no point in having these secret pockets you have to turn it all over that is not only to help your spouse, the betrayed spouse, to start believing you're telling the truth, because at this point, your word means nothing. You've broken trust. You've lied. What you say doesn't matter. Your actions are what matters. So you have to open up all accounts because it helps the betrayed spouse, but it also helps you if you've been the one who's had the affair, because sin loves secrecy. And so if you've been festering this affair and it's in the shadows, it's going to continue to linger on. But if it's out in the open and exposed and nowhere to grow, it's going to die. One way to think about affairs is the person who steps outside the marriage and has the affair, that's 100% their fault. However, the dynamic and the climate in the marriage that made them susceptible to stepping outside the marriage is usually both people's fault. So let me say that again. The person who has the affair, that's 100% their fault because it's their choice that they're stepping outside the marriage to have that affair. However, the climate and the dynamic in the marriage that increase their temptation for that affair is usually both spouses' fault on some level. Usually there's some type of climate, something going on in the marriage that increases the risk of the person to have that affair, but it's still their choice to step outside and have that affair. So, so far, stopping all contact is step one. Step two, open up and share all accounts and all passwords. Step three, if you wanna recover your marriage, is you have to show sincere remorse. If you are the one who's had the affair, and if you act indifferent towards what that's done to your marriage and to your spouse, recovery is not possible. You have to take ownership for how devastating this has been to your relationship. Even if you were unhappy, even if your needs weren't being met, you broke your vows to your spouse and you did something that is highly traumatic, one of the most traumatic things you could ever have done. So it's critical to take ownership for how much you have rocked the foundation of your marriage. So heartfelt remorse for having that affair is paramount. If your spouse doesn't feel like you're taking ownership for the affair and remorseful for making that decision, it's going to be next to impossible for them to forgive you. So having this heartfelt, broken spirit attitude of taking full ownership for what you've done with this affair and having remorse for it is, is critical. That's step three. Step four is you need to be able to process through your hurts. Now, this may go both directions. Obviously, the betrayed spouse is gonna have lots and lots of hurts that they're gonna to need to be able to get out. But also, the person having the affair may have hurts because perhaps one of the reasons they had the affair is because they felt like their needs they expressed over and over and over fell in deaf ears. And that's what increased their risk. Didn't make it right, but that may have increased the risk. So they may have hurts that they need to get out. So both of you need a method to get out your hurts. And I've mentioned this in other episodes. I teach couples I work with a method called the floor. And the floor is a set of guidelines on how to keep conversations safe. Conversations where you have to talk about really hard things, how to keep those conversations safe. So you need some type of method, some type of conflict resolution method like the floor that I'll teach at a later episode, to work through the hurts because you both need to be able to get that out. When the hurts are not fully vented and and allowed to get released, they come out in destructive ways through yelling, harsh comments, contemptuous comments, and that just makes the marriage worse. And it's what you feel like doing because if you're the betrayed spouse, you're hurt so much, all you want to do is hurt back. But that just damages the relationship that much further. So having some type of method to work through those hurts and get them out in constructive ways is really key. That's step four. Step five is the compassion chart. If you listen to episode four, that's all about healing resentment. And in that episode, I talk about the compassion chart. And this compassion chart is for the person who's been betrayed because they're gonna have high levels of resentment. And this compassion chart will walk them through all the different variables that probably were at play that led to this affair. And in a nutshell, the compassion chart looks to the person who had the affair, it looks to that person's background growing up, what things in their background may have led them to this decision to have an affair. And then it talks about what was going on in their circumstances in their life that may have increased their risk of an affair. Then it talks about what were you doing, if anything, that may have increased the risk for an affair. And then it talks about what in your background may be getting activated with how you're responding to the affair. And then last, it focuses on how have you been hurtful? Maybe not to the same degree or in the same way, but in what ways have you been hurtful in the past in your marriage or in other relationships? That's the compassion chart in a nutshell. But again, go to episode four if you want to hear details about that method. So this compassion chart, the goal of this is to understand the affair. If you can't comprehend why your spouse had an affair, it's almost impossible to forgive them for it. So this compassion chart explains all of the texture and all of the variables that went into play with what led them to this behavior. And the goal of this compassion chart is not to absolve them from any responsibility. That is not the goal. However, the goal is to move it from it's 100% their fault to maybe it's a little bit lower than that because now I'm understanding all these other pieces at play. It increases compassion for why they did this. And research shows forgiveness is often a byproduct out of compassion. So instead of starting with forgiveness, which is very difficult, Start with cultivating compassion for what made your spouse have this affair, what led to it. Did, doesn't make it right, doesn't make it any less painful, but understanding the why will often soften the heart and it makes forgiveness that much easier. That's step five. So as you're able to see, these steps go in order for a reason. You're not going to be able to cultivate compassion towards wh- to why they had this affair unless they've stopped all contact, they're sharing all their accounts with you, they've shown sincere remorse, and you've been able to get out and process all of your hurts. Only then are you in a place to do step five, which is cultivating compassion for the why behind the affair. Step six is doing some cognitive behavioral therapy on yourself or with a therapist on what this affair means about you and your spouse. So a lot of time, times, the betrayed spouse will have cognitions and thoughts such as, I'm married to a liar. How can I ever trust them again? Or, if I stay with them, I'm a fool. Or, I must be unlovable and don't have what it takes, or else they wouldn't have had this affair. A lot of these statements usually are generalizations and they're extreme statements. The person who had the affair can also have a lot of automatic negative thinking, such as I'm a piece of dirt, I'm unlovable, I'm a piece of trash, I don't deserve forgiveness. So they also can struggle with their own automatic negative thinking about what this affair means about them. And so working through these thoughts is critical because you have to make sure you're making correct interpretations of what this affair means about you and your partner, no matter which role you're in. And so capturing those automatic negative thinking, what you do is you write down every automatic negative thought that you have. And then to the right of each of those thoughts, you're gonna write down what the truth is. And again, you can't do this in your head. If you're trying to reason out all these automatic negative thoughts in your mind, it's not gonna work. It's just murky water. But if you write it out on a board or on a piece of paper where you can see it, then you'll be able to look at it and recognize, whoa, that's, that's not accurate. That's too extreme. Or that's a globalization or that's a generalization, or that's, that's a negative interpretation of the facts. You'll start to see where your thinking is off. And you may not see it. And this is where it's helpful to be working with a trained therapist who has experience working with couples and affairs, so they can help you tease apart these automatic negative thoughts of what does this affair mean about you, and what does it mean about your partner? Because you have to adjust those thoughts to something more adaptive and truth in order to process through this affair and heal. So that's step six. Step seven is focusing on what are the top three things you both need to fill up your love buckets to feel really loved and satisfied in your marriage? And what are the top three things that drain your love bucket? So this is going to be in future episodes, but we all have a love bucket. And a love bucket is is what's inside of us, and we all need things that fill up our love bucket. For some people, it might be adoration. Other people, maybe it's affection. Other people, maybe it's recreational companionship. Other people, it's emotional intimacy. Other people, it's affection. Other people's thoughtful gestures. The list goes on and on and on about these things that fill up our love bucket. A lot of times when we're dating or courting, our partner fills up our love bucket without even thinking about it. But then through the years, they stop filling up our love bucket on average. And then simultaneously, they start doing things that drains our love bucket. So some common drainers are criticism, defensiveness, stonewalling, contempt, being too independent, feeling like you don't have a voice, and the list goes on and on and on. So a marriage is, is at risk for an affair when one or both partner's love buckets are low. Weeds grow in dry ground. So when that love bucket is low, the marriage is at risk for some type of trauma. So part of the recovery process is to find out what are the top three things you both need to fill up your love bucket and what are the top three drainers that drain your love bucket and then to track that on a regular basis So you can make sure you're filling your one another's love buckets moving forward. Because one of the best ways to affair-proof your relationship moving forward is to make sure you're keeping one another's love buckets full. So that requires intentionally filling it while you're simultaneously avoiding draining it. It requires both at the same time. And that's one of the most powerful ways to affair-proof your marriage because why would I want anybody else? My bucket's full here. That's what you want your partner to feel. The last step on recovering from an affair is, as a couple, talk through strategies and boundaries on how to affair-proof your relationship moving forward. So over and beyond the fillers and the drainers for your love bucket, what are we going to do as a couple to affair-proof our relationship moving forward? What's that going to look like? How should that look, for example, how should boundaries look when I'm traveling away from you? How should it look if I'm going out with my friends for the night without you? How should it look when I'm around colleagues? How should it look when I'm at the gym? Etc, etc, etc. Working through these boundaries of how should we be interacting with the opposite gender so that we're never in a susceptible situation for an affair. So many couples fall into affairs because they put themselves in risky situations without realizing they're risky and then they're surprised when it turns into an affair. And so brainstorming on this together and developing a unified front on strategies to affair-proof your relationship moving forward is really important. So those are the eight steps. Stop all contact, share all accounts and passwords, show sincere, repentful remorse, using a method like the floor to process through all the hurts, developing a compassion chart to, to increase compassion towards the person who had the affair, some cognitive behavioral therapy on yourself or with a therapist on the automatic negative thinking you're having on what the affair means about you and your partner, developing a fillers and drainers mindset for your marriage so that you can fill up your, your partner's love bucket and keep it full, and then last, developing strategies around boundaries to affair-proof your relationship moving forward. Thank you for listening to Marriage Steps with Dr. Wyatt Fisher. For more information, go to drwyattfisher.com, drwyattfisher.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Take care.